And I want you to turn to Psalms 119. And I want to look briefly at a verse of Scripture. We're going to look at a lot of verses of Scripture today because I want you to see it yourself. I'm talking this morning about healing from heaven. Now, before you think, well, that's a worn out old message, let me tell you something. In light of the struggles that most everybody in this room will go through or has gone through, you will never wear out this message. You will never hear it too much. In fact, in the time of physical discomfort and struggles, your heart and mind races to embrace everything you've heard about this because you want that to become yours. Healing, I'm talking about. We know that healing is a big deal today because of the, like, health care and the cost of uh, health care and the, the price of health that so few people in this country, I'm talking about religious people, there are so few religious people that are willing to depend on God, and most are willing to depend on the systems of man because that's what they believe. Faith comes how? By hearing. By hearing and hearing by the word. You can believe what God says or you can believe what man says. And you'll make a choice because it's either or. And when you believe what man says, that's who you're subject to. And that's why there is such turmoil and why there is such uncertainty and people are so unsettled. Because the very best of man's inventions and laboratory findings and sophisticated equipment and procedure, the very best he has often ends up with, I'm sorry, we've done all that we can. And yet God never says that. Amen. And yet that's the very thing that either is not taught or people have set aside. Now, our communion this morning embraces healing. The cup and the bread, he bore our diseases in his body and by his stripes we are healed. We want to recognize that today. And because healing is such an issue, I went through a trial myself the last two weeks. I know what it's like to get alone and sit down and deal with it. Not run from it, not cry about it or murmur or whine, but to deal with it. Because you can't run, you got to fight. And even though while you're fighting, it doesn't look like any relief is coming. It is not working. And yet, I stand here today and tell you, it did work. It did work. But you got to fight. But you can't fight if you don't know you're supposed to, or you won't fight if you're not convinced it'll work. I'm talking about healing, divine healing. Now, here in Psalms, we're talking about healing from heaven. So let's start with heaven and see what comes from heaven to us. He said, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And the meaning here is that God has made his word firm, it is established, and it is stable, and it will be that way forever. What God has said once that has been recorded is forever recorded and will never change. If God said his word is forever settled in heaven, it will always be that way. Man cannot change it, times cannot change it. Intelligence cannot, nothing can change it. God has spoken, it is settled. And that's what the word settled means, that it has been made firm, it is established, it is stable, and it will be that way forever and forever. Now, that's the word that God offers us. 
Remember, he said, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, so shall my word be. God sends his word to us from heaven. Now, we're here this morning to receive it. We can receive it, or we can wonder about it and reject it. Or we can set it aside and discount it because it doesn't seem like it works. But it's your choice. But God said his word is forever settled in heaven. Now, in Psalm 89... God said in 89 concerning what he has said and this word that he has given us. And verse 33 and verse 34, he said, Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Did God say that? Is he faithful? What is he faithful to? He's not faithful to your emotions at the moment, your cries and your tears and your sorrow. He is faithful to his word. In fact, Jeremiah said he watches over his word to perform it. Now, that's truth. That's a fact, and it's true. It is true because it is a fact, and because it's a fact, it is true. Anyway, verse 34, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Let me tell you what we can believe here. That if God has said it, it is sure. This is what heaven gives us. That the thing that God has spoken, he will never change it. It is settled. It'll never be altered. He'll never say, all my promises are yes and amen, and then turn around and say, well, it's not always yes, or sometimes it's not amen. He'll never do that. God will never mislead us. He is not a man that he should lie to us. And what he has spoken, he has spoken forever. And what is recorded is recorded for you and for me. Because the basis of how I'm going to relate to God is how I relate to this word. My relationship to God is strictly by faith. And faith comes one specific way, by hearing and hearing by the word. God doesn't say, be religious, see how religious you can get, dream up some really lofty ideas that man will follow. No, we remember we said the other day, there is a way that seems right, but it's not the way of God. All we have to do is set aside our dreaming of what we ought to do and find out what he says to do and just do what the Bible says. This is a a, a way of life that not everybody is willing to embrace. Lots of religious people in the world. Lots of church going, lots of professing Christians in the world. But not a lot of people that really believe this book and the content of this book for their life. In Psalm 107, you're close to it. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, he said he sent his word again from heaven. From something from above to subjects below. God sent his word. What does it say he did in verse 20? He sent his word and healed them. The word means to cure them, to relieve their afflictions. Sent his word. Now, let me ask you this. Is there power in the word? If he sent his word to heal, and if he watches over his word to perform it, then God who said, Healing is in his word. Make sure that it works. Well, that's what he said. Now, we're going to establish that because this is a message we've heard a long, long time ago. Isaiah 55, 11, God says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. 
again, from heaven to earth. My word shall not return to me empty because he didn't send it empty. What he sent it with, if you send it back, he will cause it to happen. Because he said, my word will prosper the thing whereto I sent it, and it will accomplish that which I please. If healing is in the Bible, then that's what God does. Now, man attempts to. He does his best. I'm not against those people. I'm not their adversary. I am for God. I'm on his side here. And I know that what he has promised, no matter what kind of situation you're dealing with, there is nothing that he has promised that he cannot do, no matter what the stage or the condition of a person. God can do it. Listen, if God can raise a man from the dead, then what more can you do than that? Well, he was killed by disease and God raised him from the dead, so God's greater than the disease. Why is it the church cannot believe that or don't see that? Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees once, why is it you don't understand my word? You know what his answer was? Because you cannot hear what I'm saying. Or you hear the sound of words, but they go in one ear and out the other. They don't stay. They don't lodge or abide in your heart. Because you've already made up your mind that that's not what you're going to do. That's not the way I'm going to walk. So we want to do justice to this word this morning. And let God be God in spite of what has happened, where it happens, or whoever we are or whoever we're not. Let God be God. Remember, God is not a man that he should ever lie or mislead us. And if he has said something, he will do it. If God has spoken something, he will make it come to pass because he is God, he is faithful, he cannot lie, and he watches over his word to perform it. Now, in your battles and in your struggles, you start here. You've got to establish in your faith and in your battle and in your fighting the good fight of faith. You've got to start with where faith comes from. It comes from God. God is the one who has given you a book, a book that was written by so many different kinds of people, from farmers to prophets to kings and sheep herders, and they all put this together by the direction of God, and it's inspired verbally as God meant it to be. So that what you have is a word from God. It doesn't mean you'll believe it, it means you can, because this is where you get your faith. This is what God wants. Now, in spite of all these promises that are in the Bible, how is it, why is it that so many people, people like us, people who really are concerned and sincere and really want to walk with the Lord, why is it that we have such a difficulty with divine healing? The Bible teaches no other healing than divine healing. If you look at Isaiah 53, to the right, just a little bit, a couple books, 53 and verse 1. In spite of all these promises we have in the Bible, promises and more promises, why do Christians struggle in this area? You know they do. If you've been here for 10 years, you know that there have been a lot of struggles, been lots of victories. Not saying everybody loses. Oh, a lot of people are winning these battles. I want everybody to win them. I want my children, my grandchildren to win these battles. 
I don't want this to be an aimless, indifferent moment that we spend on a Sunday morning. I want something good to come of it. A word that penetrates a heart. A time in which God captures somebody's attention and makes real this truth. Again, that doesn't mean you'll believe it, but now you can. And if you'll sit down when you're facing your foe, and just sit down and take the time to do it. And say, now, I know that this is true, that God has, God has, God has. He watches over, he keeps, and he gives. He cannot change. Now, I know, God, that your word is true. Now, there's a lot of reasons that people have trouble. For example, sometimes people have trouble because they're just not really sure it's God's will to heal them. A legitimate moment. Well, I know God can I know God has. I know God is able, they say. I'm just not sure. I'm not convinced of where I can just walk away and never look back. There's this kind of fear and trepidation that kind of holds on in the back of me and says, well, what if it doesn't work? Uh-oh, uh-oh, you better be careful. Because a lot of people, that's the way they've been taught. That's the way they've been instructed. The kind and good pastor that you love so much, wherever you came from, <laughs> you know, the one who told you, well, we know that God can heal. We know that he has. But, you know, today we have other ways of getting healed today. You know, God uses this and God does that and God, you know, and you, you go back to the Bible and say the only healing that God has ever promoted is divine healing. God has never pointed us to man for anything when it comes to healing. In fact, one of his covenant names in Exodus 15 and verse 26, he said to his people, he said, I am the Lord that heals you. In other words, I am your physician. I'm your doctor. I'm the one you turn to. All your life you've turned to whatever the Egyptians learned or whatever the Greeks learned and their methods and, and all of that. And, and that's been the only hope that people have had. But he said, now, I am the Lord who heals you. I will remove all sickness from the midst of you, all of it. You're my people. This is what I'm giving you. This is not for the world. It's for you. This is called children's bread. It is that wonderful loaf, like the word of God. You live by that. Well, that loaf contains this truth, that God is your doctor. God is your healer, but so many people are just not, just not sure. This sickness has been in my family. My mother had it, my daddy had it, or my uncle, my grandmother, and it, it just seemed like it just runs its course in members of the family. It's a blood disorder, it's diabetes, it's a heart problem, it's visual problem, and everybody, and you know, it just seemed like we just have it. You start thinking about it, so is alcoholism, so is criminal activity, and so is divorce. It's all demonic. People have been taught to accept it. It's just the way of life. It just happens to be in your genetic code. You can't help it. So live with it. Then you read the Bible and you say, I don't have to live with it. I can deal with it. I can fight this thing. 
I want nothing less than what God has promised. I want God to be glorified in his promise coming to pass. I want to be able to say, praise God. I used to be and I was going to be and that's the way it was, but God has changed all of that. I'm free. The doors have been loose. The cage has been open. I'm out. I'm free. I can teach my kids to be free. They don't have to have anything their ancestors had. They're free. Their ancestors didn't know any better. They will. Won't y'all? I'm just saying, folks, that we're here today with a message that's timeless. We've heard this maybe a hundred times. And if you call this same old, same old, shame on you, same old, same old. Because this is what people struggle with the most. And a lot of them are just not sure it's God's will to heal me. And some of the kindest, nicest people in the world will tell you, I know God could. I know he can. But I'm just not sure he wants to heal me. Maybe this is sickness is for his glory. And we come back and we say, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus never told anybody to be sick. All those multitudes that came to him where it says he healed them all, he didn't turn anybody away. He didn't say, well, in your case, it's better for you to be sick because there'll be more glory to God from your sickness than from your health. He never said that. Man said that. And yet it's been so easy when man says that for people to believe that because that just explains why they're going to be sick the rest of their life. And they're going to need insurance and going to need to pay that extravagant bill to or something that shouldn't even have to ever happen. But that's the way it is. Man has been a victim of the things that he has taught. Some people in church have trouble with divine healing because they don't feel like they deserve it. They're not spiritual enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I can't just claim healing because I see it in the Bible. There's no problem. I can see that. But I, I can't just appropriate that for myself because I, I just don't feel like I'm deep enough or spiritual enough to get it. Well, how deep or spiritual do you have to be? Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of, how deep is that? How deep is a grain of mustard? See, it's not very deep, but it's enough. If you're a Christian, you have faith. Your faith is enough. We said that the other day. It's enough. You've got enough. Use it. You'll never be worthy for healing. You'll never be spiritual enough, if you have to be totally spiritual, then healing is only for eternity, which is what most people believe. Well, I'm sure when I get to heaven, you know, all of my limitations will be over and all of my problems will be gone and all my afflictions will be gone and I'll be jumping and running in heaven. Well, of course you will. I, I guess I've never been there, but I, yeah. But what about for now? What about for right now? Are there promises for right now? Well, of course there are. God's promises are not only in eternity to get us there, but while you're here on this earth, he gives you richly all things to enjoy. And I promise you from standing here looking at faces for years and looking at mine on occasion, we all look better and sound better, do better, live better when you feel good and you're healthy. And when you're not feeling good, it's a struggle, it's a painful thing, you're walking it out, but... You just know that that wonderful day of relief comes. Now, if you think you have to be deeply spiritual to be healed, 
you've been misled a little bit there. You have to be spiritual enough to believe God. And again, you've got a mustard seed of faith. You can do that. A lot of people have trouble with divine healing because during an attack or the painful moment or that discovery of something or the discharge of something, uh, you get mental images. You know, the worst thing you see is yourself wrapped up in your best suit with your arms folded over your chest, lying in a, a box you paid way too much for that they're going to bury so it'll rot. You see yourself dead. And these are the images that you have. They just ruin your faith. They kill your faith. It puts a chill on your faith in God because you're already convinced by the image. This is the devil's work. You're already convinced that, well, this is over. It's not going to work. And, oh, boy. Or you pray. I can tell you this is fresh. You pray and the pain lingers. The pain is worse tomorrow than it was today after the big speech you made the day before. But God didn't say, if you pray with great determination, you're going to feel better. He said, when you pray, believe. That's what he said. When you pray, believe. You don't believe on the basis of how you feel. You believe on the basis of what he said. Your trial may linger. That's why he said you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God that you might receive the promise. You got to hold fast. You got to count it all joy while you're holding fast. There's so much involved. That's why you have to keep coming and hearing it over and over and time after time after time. It's like a thousand pieces that God puts together until you get the picture. And when you get the picture, you get understanding and you go, oh, I see it. This is when you begin to fight successfully all your battles. You'll win some, you may lose a few along the way, but when God puts it all together for you, you begin to see it. You know your own personal limitations. You know what you can do and what you can't do. You know, by that, I mean this. There's a lot of things I would like to believe that I can't. What I want to believe and what I can believe are two different things. I would love to believe that I can go down to the, to the children's hospital and start touching all those poor little children and get them all out of there. As much as I like to run through here and do the same thing for whoever needs it. I don't have the assurance of that in my heart that I can do that. God could do that, yes. But I can't just believe whatever I can dream up. I've got to believe it. It's got to be in my heart. And there's times that I like to do things that people say I should do things. I don't know that I can. If I stayed before the Lord and I fought this out better, I might come to that. But I've got to believe what I've got in my heart. I've got to hold on to that no matter what goes on, no matter if I feel like God's rejecting me or I'm over the hill, I'm gone, it's past, you're going to, this is not going to get healed this time. You were lucky the last time, this is over. That's not true, but these things limit your ability to trust in God for healing. Or sometimes the devil simply tells you when you're going through one of these battles or you're alone and you've discovered something that is very serious, at least it sounds, looks very serious in your body, about yourself. And the devil, the devil then begins to say, uh, well, you know, you, uh, you're not going to make it this time. This isn't going to work this time. Because this is serious. And you know how serious it is. Now, if you want to believe God for headaches and toenails and stuff like that, that's fine. But this is serious. Because if you don't do something about this, you know what's going to happen to you? 
you can't stop those thoughts. You can't prevent those thoughts. You have to fight those thoughts. The devil will come at you as hard as he can. But remember, God said, there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And sometimes he, while you're going through this, he says, look at all the people you know that had some kind of sickness. They were prayed for and they died or they didn't get healed or nearly died. And so people start thinking, well, God apparently failed. Did he? Does God from heaven say, I'm the Lord that does this and then re refuse to do it? If you weren't believing, he would refuse it. God is under no obligation to respond to doubt and unbelief. Amen. I mean, we got to believe. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But a lot of people begin to tell you how many people they remember. Well, my mother, my father, the preacher, the great preacher. How many people you know of and they prayed and they bound and they loosed and then they died. Well, if it didn't work for them, what makes you think it's going to work for you? And part of my battle plan is that I don't know why it didn't work for whoever it didn't work for. But I'm not somebody else. I'm me. I know in whom I have believed. I know what I believe. I know where my faith is, and I know where it's not. Now, I'm fighting my battle, not theirs, yours, hers, or whoever. So I'm not going to let you use that devil against me to keep me from fighting. And again, the devil comes back and he said, well, you know, those commercials you saw, some of these commercials are awful. The laboratory has found out, the latest medical technology has found out, the latest, the latest, the latest. The latest. They have new procedures now and this kind of cancer now is no longer, and they still die from it. They advertise something, but I don't know if it ever works. Now, God is never like that. God is never like that. When God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved, they'll be saved. I mean, if he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. That's what my faith is based on. If God said it, God will do it. So what has God said? We'll find out what God said. That's what he'll do. Believe that. Don't believe what happened to somebody else. I'm not going to believe what happened to members in my family, my brother, my dad, my mother, my sister, anybody else. They were all cut short. All of them. The grief I'm sure my mother went through when my sister died, whom I never really knew. She was older a year or two, but I was a baby. I don't remember her. But the grief and the sorrow and the sadness, both my mother and my dad, the only daughter they had. And the other things in our lives that uh, they didn't know how to fight. My dad didn't know, wouldn't know anything about how to fight the good fight of faith. He was just told to go to his Catholic church, say his rosary, and get up and leave because what the man said up front spoke in Latin. My daddy never did know Latin. It was a waste of his time. Is this on? It was a waste of his time. He came to the end of his life. He didn't know how to trust God. He had never been taught. He had been in church his whole life. But same can be said with a lot of different groups and denominations that are systems of man and not places where people are trained and taught and made disciples of. 
followers of Jesus. Sadly, the church today has been talked out of how to trust in the Lord. There's something about this that you should see, that there is something that the church today is fearful of saying, of teaching you that you can be healed, that you should be healed, that God has made and, and provided healing for his people, and yet preachers are afraid to say that. Either they don't believe it themselves and therefore won't propagate it, or people don't want to hear that, and so they avoid saying it because they value their job more than people's lives. I don't know. I don't know. But let me tell you something. Faith comes one way. What you're going to believe, whether you're in this room or watching this or listening to it, faith comes one way. It always has. What you believe this morning comes from what you listen to and what you process in your mind. How you figure it out and see it, what you understand about it. Now, if from a child, and I was, if from a child, anything medical or healing or any kind of physical discomfort, we always went to the doctor. In my case, it was Dr. Marshall. Uh, he would come to your house, but you'd have to go to his office most of the time. It was a dreary place, and I was a child. And I told him one time, my daddy didn't like him. My mother told me to hush, but anyway, that's all we ever knew. When you didn't feel good, you had medicine in your uh, bathroom in the, uh, the medicine chest. It was a place in the home where you put medicine. Medicine you had been convinced of by somebody, that's what you need to be well, to remove your pain, and to feel better. Nobody ever disputed that. Nobody ever had a problem with that. I never once in my life in a church ever heard anybody say there's something better. You wouldn't dare say that because there's a medicine chest in every home. Most people run to the medicine chest when there's a problem. Christians don't exactly pray when there's a problem. They either call somebody and, and ask them what they ought to do or they go look for medicine. I'm not against people who need that. I'm not against their efforts at trying to make that stuff for people. I'm saying that for us, there's something better. That we have been delivered from that. But that was all I ever knew. When my lung was corrupted all through high school and college and half of one lung had to be removed, it was just, yeah, that's what you do. It's either that or moved to Arizona where the climate's dry, and I, nah, stay here, cut it out. That was about my attitude, and I just cut the thing out. And that's just the way you live. And when you go to church, I remember the first time somebody taught on divine healing. I thought, oh, I don't know about all that, because I never knew anything else. What I believed, where my faith was, was the way I had been taught and pointed my whole life. Who else in the world can say to you, when you go into his office, take your clothes off? Now, if you went into a dentist's office, he'd take your clothes off, you'd say, what? If you went into a psychiatrist's office, he said, take your clothes off, you'd sue him. Or you'd leave. You wouldn't sue him. Or if you went into some professor's office, he said, take your clothes off, He's got a doctor's degree, but there's one occupation that can tell you to take your clothes off 
And you will, because if you don't have him, what else you got? He's a doctor. He's been to school. He's been to school, and I hope he passed all his tests. <laughs> I had a friend of mine ask a doctor that for he dealt with his wife some procedure. He said, Doc, let me ask you one question. You cheat on any of your tests? <laughs> Doc's letter said, no. He said, all right, I want to make sure you know what you're doing. He's a man, isn't he? Can you make mistakes? They make a lot of them every year in the hospital. They don't want you to know it. Papers report it. I mean, they're human. Staph infections, you go in without something, you come out of there with something you didn't go in with. It's not like they tried for that to happen, but things like that happen. But God doesn't have any such problem. But see, faith comes by hearing. If a doctor said you need to do this or you need to do that or you need to do this or I need to cut you open, what else you got? You do it. Your friends would ridicule you if you didn't because your faith, their faith, the faith of society, that's all they've got. Then we come to God. And God is loving us enough to tell us, I have a better way. And when you preach that way, it gets like this. See how quiet it gets? Because the mind begins to wonder, could that be so? Is that really, really, really? Can it be possible? Because what the medical world teaches is what people believe. Then you go to God. Here's what God says. Here's what God says. Exodus 15, verse 26. He said, I'm the Lord who heals you. Go to Exodus 23, if you will follow me. Exodus 23, and look at verse 25. Exodus 23 and verse 25. And he said that he would do something. At the end of that verse, what did God promise that he would do? He would take all sickness away from you. Didn't he say that? Sickness there means sickness. It means illness, disease. God said to his people that he instructed, if you will follow me this way, if in this way you will follow me, you will, one of the benefits of your salvation is this. I will take away from you all sickness. Our 91st Psalm says, no evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. A plague is an incurable ailment, never comes near your dwelling. How can that be? Well, he said it would be. You got to meet the conditions of verse 1, but it's there. Psalm 103, he forgives all your iniquities and he heals what? All your diseases. It's been in the Bible since the Bible was written. And those are the cleanest pages in the Bible for a lot of people. They never read it. And if they do read it, somebody talks them out of it. Because faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word. Deuteronomy 7.15. If you just go over three books more to the right, Deuteronomy 7.15, he says it again. I will remove. I don't want it in my house. You want it in yours? I will remove all sickness from the midst of you. 
You know what I say when I'm fighting a good fight of faith? I put my finger on there. I said, now that's what you promised. I'm going to set myself in agreement with you. That's mine. That's your promise. I receive it. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. When my children were little, they would go through battles, especially when I was living up in Indiana. They, would, they didn't feel good. I'd come set them on my lap. I'd start with Exodus 15 because God said in Proverbs 4, his word is medicine to our flesh. That's verse 22, Proverbs 4, 22. He said his word is medicine to our flesh. I take it literally. I'm so simple, simple Tom. I set them down and I would say, I'm going to apply this word as medicine to my children. And I'd read all these, i memorize all these verses. All these verses I'm telling you. All these verses, Isaiah 53, one said, who's believed our report? Who believes it? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Of all these church people, everybody going to church, churches full of people, spending billions of dollars, uh, who has believed this? They have believed everything else. Who believes this? Who is convinced? Who is persuaded that this is true? Who is willing to demonstrate by how you live that you are a believer in the word? It can be so. To whom? God has. Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What's that mean? Well, he shall grow up before you. So it's the extension of God's power and grace. That is Jesus Christ. That's what Isaiah 53 is about. Who has seen what he's brought? He bore our diseases and carried our pains in Isaiah 53 by whose stripes you were healed. That's Matthew eight seventeen. The same thing in the New Testament. That's what he said. Psalms 41 says, if you will do certain things about helping the poor, one of the things that God promised is that he will heal all your bed of sickness. Wherever it is, he will heal it. God said that. How many things, how many verses, how many times does God have to say something before we're going to believe it? Believe it. These signs shall follow those who believe. We will lay hands on the sick. And the sick will, will thank us for it. They'll recover. They will. James 5 said, is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them come and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. That's what God said. Can he lie? Nope. Can he change his mind? No. Has God ever changed his mind? No. Turn to John, big John, chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 3. Now this book that you're holding, this book that's in your lap that you've been carrying to church since you've been saved, the first book you bought after you got saved, if you didn't have one, was this book. This book contains thousands of promises. It is the word of God to us. And listen to what he says in the 
first verse of John chapter 20. He said, these things are written. Why? That you might believe. I could say this to all of us. What more does God have to say than what he's already said? God has said, the book you're holding, these things are written that you might believe. Now, you believe what the world says. You believe everything else. You've believed in fear. You've lived in fear and trepidation. You've been alarmed. You've been held back and scared most of your life about sickness and diseases. But these things here, these things that God said, these things are written that you might believe. And remember, with God, Jeremiah said it, and Genesis said it, there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing that God has promised that he can't do. Nothing is too hard. Your situation cannot be beyond what he's able to fix. Whether it's our hair on our head, toes on our feet, and everything in between, there's nothing that God can't fix. I even believe he can fix teeth. You know, I don't know about that. Well, you ought to know about that because what things ever you desire. When you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. When? Didn't say. How? Didn't say. He just said believe. All I got to do is believe. The, uh, the hard part's his. The easy part's mine. And while you're there, turn to Mark. I'm glad you brought your Bible. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Concerning what's possible, that God watches over this word to perform it. Nothing's too hard for God. That these things are written that you might believe. He said that in 1 John 5. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. He ends that verse by saying, that something is possible to a believer. What does he say is possible? All things. Do you believe that? Now, now before you answer, let me tell you, for every one of you that says, I believe, it seems like there's a thousand that are not sure. They believe it's written because they can read it. I mean, I can see it right there. I see that. But as to whether or not that is for sure, I don't know. Well, why wouldn't it be for sure? Why would God say anything that he didn't want you to believe? God doesn't want to mislead you. He said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Go over two chapters to the right. Go to Mark 11. Look at verse 23. Mark 11, verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Well, who's ever done that? How could that be? Hey, listen to what he said. Whoever shall say to this mountain or this disease or this whatever the thing is you want to be delivered from, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And notice the next part. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Is that true? So see, this is heavenly stuff. This is what God has given to us down through the centuries and brought us here 
not to be entertained with lovely little sayings about God or poetry and stuff, but to, to give us the basic fundamental truth of God's word. This is the way, walk ye in it. Now he brings us to the place. We're going through the battle. We're now equipped. We have, we're armed with truth. We, we know the word. The words are facts. The facts are truth. Truth is a fact. Can't change. God said it. God watches over it. God sent it. God gave it. It's ours. Nothing's too hard for God. Even what's not even written in there. What things ever you desire. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. I mean, God is unlimited for us what he can do. He said in Ephesians 3, he gave his power to the church. And yet we seem to be so powerless. It's not God's fault. God hadn't changed his mind. And what God has said, God will do if, as he said in verse 23 there, if you will believe it. So what do I do? Well, you're going to have to learn one thing in particular. You're going to have to give up your worry. You're going to have to give up your concern and your anguish. We call it stress today. You can't deny that there's a kind of tension that comes when you're going through a physical battle. Whether it's pain on the inside, which telegraphs back to your mind that that was your heart. That's a condition or some other part of your body says, you know, that probably is in reference to. And I promise you this, if you've listened to any commercial that said one out of five gets something and then they describe it, you will have that symptom. <laughs> the devil uses whatever he can. All he needs is your will. Just like God, give God your will, you get what God said. Give the devil your will, lean his way, you open the door to him. And it's hard when you got your foot in the devil's door to trust God. But if you don't know how to do this and deal with this, then, oh, it's so frustrating. But you have to learn to cast your care over on the Lord. Listen to this verse. You know this verse well. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, Casting all of your care over on the Lord, for he careth for you. You remember that? Here's another translation. It says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Isn't that good? Amen. That's how God describes himself in relation to you and the situations of life that you're involved in. You're going to worry about so many things. He told Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, so natural. So, you're so encumbered with so much. You're worried about what people think. You're worrying about your performance. You're worrying about what you look like. You're worrying about your thises or your thats. You know what he said to Martha? Only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. That's what Mary has chosen. It's to hear the word of God. That's where faith comes. That's how you get your foot out of the devil's door and get your body in God's door. God speaks to us. And he says, I don't want you to worry about your life. Your life, that's Matthew 6. 
I don't want you to worry about your life or your body or your food or tomorrow. Because God will take care of all those things for you. You cannot stress yourself out in anguish concerning yourself with the issue of whether or not God meant what he said. God meant what he said. Take him at his word. If he said it, he will do it. Here's another translation. It says, throw the whole of your anxiety upon him because he himself cares for you. Anxiety. That's why you pace the floor. That's why that joyfulness that people know you by, they don't see it when you're going through this trial because you're really concerned. Your life may be in jeopardy. It's not funny. It's not a laughing matter. Or suddenly you, you can't breathe. Or you can't walk. You can't see or you can't stand up. All these kind of things hit. And I don't think you just go, oh, no problem. It's not a problem with God. But you got to deal with it. You got two choices, God or the world. There's no other choice, either or. If what you're going to do is going to be evident to God and to everybody else, how you're doing, where you are. Sometimes trials and problems come upon us and we weren't expecting that kind of intensity. And quite frankly, we weren't ready for it. We should have been and we could have been, but we weren't. I had people call me one time. I've been shopping that day. I was living up in Indiana, been shopping, running, goofing off, you know, just as a day off, just with the kids and all, having a good time, and got a very serious phone call, a life and death phone call. Pray, brother. And I remember at the time thinking, it's going to take me about an hour I'm going to have to go somewhere by myself alone for about an hour for my brain to slow down and stop because it's so full of stuff. I mean, it's just so much of this world and its ways. And we're trying to pray without that. It's just a mechanical thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're saying the right words. Boy, your heart's still shopping. You're still laughing, looking forward to something else you're going to do. We just need to keep ourselves close to God all the time, which I think is what God wants. Have God in all of our thoughts. It wouldn't be nice to grow in the Lord till every morning when you woke up, you were aware of who you were. I mean, on your mind when you woke up today, I'm a Christian. Today I'm going to serve the Lord. God is faithful. He will lead me and guide me today and show me his will and keep yourself in that kind of a frame of mind. You can do a lot of things. And if there's a need for your life, you come up on an accident or somebody calls you, you'll be ready to go. But the biggest problem we have when we go through trials, any of us, any of us is worry because worry breeds fear. Fear means you're going to die. You're going to lose. This isn't going to work. Poor old you. What will everybody think? Worry. And Jesus said, God says, take that, that anxiety, that stress and concern that leads to the rubbing of the hands and, and a tearful, take that 
and cast it over on the Lord. I remember not very long ago, there was somebody in the church going through a trial and I was quite concerned, more than normal. And I was uh, praying, I just, I think I was back here in my little room and I was just, I started just thinking about it, just calm down a little bit and let get my mind on this subject. And then it came to me, that verse. Cast your care for this over on the Lord and leave the results with him. He's promised to take care of it. And you let go of it. And don't you try to make it work. Just give it to him. And when I did that, I promise you there was no more stress, no more worry. I wasn't afraid with the phone rang. Didn't matter. I made a decision to do something God said, to cast my concerns, my anxiety, to cast it over on the Lord. He told me to because he said he cares for me. He's concerned about me, all right? If I'm giving it to you, I'm not going to take it back. If I give it to you, you've got it, and I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We could do that with our brother. Do that with your wife, your family, whoever you want to. But it's something that you can do. You can cast all your cares over on the Lord. And like Abraham, we want to come to the place where we were fully persuaded that what we've given to God, God took it. What we have believed and released unto God, God has heard it. I have been set free. What it said about Abraham and being fully persuaded, what God had promised, God was able to perform. That might be the essential need of everybody in this room. To be so convinced that what God has said that God will do, that you're at peace with letting God do it. When the thunder is crashing, the clouds are moving in. So many trials with my children growing up, unavoidable. Some of them were at the time very serious. We tell them now like it was nonchalant, but it was so serious. I remember I had to catch myself at time in giving a testimony without the intensity of what I went through being there. Just kind of, yeah, we just did this. Yeah, it's all right. It wasn't like that when I went through the trial. It was very serious. And God delivered us. God delivered us from this and that. He gave us a car, gave us the house, gave us health, gave us, gave us, gave us. And the wonderful promise he said with long Life will I satisfy you. I lay hold of that too in Jesus' name. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I? That's the way you answer that question. Why shouldn't I? Why would you do that? Why not? I mean, God wants it. Doesn't he want that? Of course he does. Let me close with Proverbs 3. You don't have to turn there unless you really want to, but in Proverbs 3, a very, again, a very familiar verse. Verses 5 and 6. Heavenly healing is the only healing that God teaches. It's what the Almighty has provided for us as his people for the healing of our body. God has done that. So we want to study as Christians. Let the light of this word shine into our hearts. 
We want our eyes to be open to see clearly what God is saying. Again, not to fight the doctors and fight other people or condemn anybody else that's gone that way. But for myself, where I am, I want to trust in God with all of my heart, verse 3, and lean not to my own understanding. Verse 5, and lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge him. And what did he promise? He will direct my paths. Willie, do you really believe God will do that? I mean, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that if as an effort, a drive, a motivation, a determination in my life, if, if I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, he shows me what to trust in. And if I will not lean to my own worldly trained understanding, but acknowledge him in all my ways, that he will direct my paths. Is that true? So be it. Bow your head. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, this is a wonderful word that you've given for our well-being, for our healing, and for our health. I ask in the name of Jesus. I ask in the name of Jesus for the truth of your word to find a lodging place in every heart in this room. Teach us how to war how to fight the good fight of faith, how to overcome. Teach us, God, so that we lose no more battles. We have no more defeats, flaws, or failures in our life. As the psalmist said, teach me thy ways, O Lord, that I may walk in thy truth. We're a needy people this morning, every one of us. We have a great need for this truth to be in our hearts, not once, but continuously. Bless your word to the hearts of your people as we approach the communion table. Let us not forget the great sacrifice and the great and wonderful promise that came from it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.